My studio's looking kind of nice. I want to uh, shout out. Uh, to the ladies that designed it. Shout out to some lady I know named Yasmin. I, yeah. she, I think she, Good job, Jasmine. I think she was working on this. Uh, shout job. out to Hollywood Bonnie. They did, a, they did a good job. And the man behind the boards is Keith. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, the office, new office is looking nice. Marquise even put up McCaskey colors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, brand is red. Ah! <laughs> yo, this is Say Less Podcast. The real episode 25, we're back, baby. We got Keith on the boards. Yes, sir. I'm here. Chris is in the building. Yo, yo. E is in the building. Yes, sir. We have some special guests with us today, some really special guests. Before I introduce them, I want to say that today, we, for Regal Finesse, we did a breast cancer awareness shoot. We have new uh, limited edition shirts that the ladies are wearing. Um... I don't want to plug that till I'll plug that at the end. But this is something that meant something big to the whole Regal Finesse. And it means something to TCP. So we wanted to have the ladies on and discuss their journey. So we have Miss Annie Aponte. Hi. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Oh, I got a little accent to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I've been told y'all Billy speaks fluent Spanish. <laughs> To a Listen, I try, I try. I try. Listen, I got un, un poquito, un poquito. <laughs> <laughs> baby. Yeah. Billy, Billy's Dominican. That's what it is. He yeah. knows when she's mad. Yeah. Yeah. I, then I do. She'd be like, hey, mucho tu jode. I'd be like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> be like, where my car keys, yo? I'm out. But yo, eat. I'm coming over right now. You guys kick me out. We have uh, Tawana Mitchell with us, uh, a childhood friend of mine. What's up? How are you? And a fellow Good. graduate of J.P. McCaskey. Yes, there you she's go. McCaskey. Yeah, hey. yeah. Hey, 96, though? Wait, Come on, wait, 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 wait. Yo, yo, you about to catch wait, elbows, oh, brother. You about to catch oh, elbows, no. brother. You better drink <laughs> up and be quiet. I mean, I was supposed to be old, too, but 96 is kind of thing. Y'all old. Wait, no. yeah. Wait. Anyway, yeah, yo. Yo. yeah he, he's getting dealt with. Don't worry about it. I got. Okay, thank you, thank you. Oh my bad, I apologize. I gotta respect my elders. Oh, oh. he's right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna be smacking no. him done, right done, now. Nothing gonna happen on camera. And we have our own TCP's own Miss Renata Stewart is with us today. Hey. On the other side. On yeah. the other side, On she's usually side behind. She's usually behind the camera. <laughs> she's with us. How y'all doing today, ladies? Good, great, good. great. How'd the shoot go? It was great. Promo video. Yeah, it was, good. It was nice. Yes. Thank you for the Fun opportunity. Yes, I appreciate it as well. We, we well, wanted to come and share your story. Definitely, we just wanted to make y'all feel comfortable. For real, for real, um, Renata kind of inspired the, this whole idea because you know we we met and we met through. This and you know we we talked about stuff. I, I watched her journey and well, I was kind of lurking, you know. When I be yeah. meeting people, I just start lurking. And I, so I kind of saw her. I saw her journey and I was like, damn, that's that's dope. I mean, so it inspired this, and I was happy I could do it. Um, it meant a lot to me. So and it meant a lot to E and Yaz and so yeah, this was dope. Um, now. Before we start, how was everybody's week? Everybody had a good week? Yeah, I had a great week. It was okay. Nothing special happened? Nothing just great week? I mean, it was the third weekend in a row that we had a babysitter and I got to go out with my wife, so I'm not really sure what this life is, but I'm enjoying <laughs> oh, it. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah, and, uh... Summer's over, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and that, we get, like, a babysitter, like, four times a year, but I had all... I just, I mean, we cashed all our chips, so... Uh, that and, means is there a third baby on the way? Oh, man, that's not going to happen. That factory's closed. But, you like, try. you're fond of saying, <laughs> we can pretend. We can pretend. Well, <laughs> uh, she had her 20-year class reunion last night. and uh, Shout out to JP. Yeah. I mean, you know, yo, I'm, I could talk about it for an hour, but I'm just going to say, like, we always do what we do, and it was fantastic, and it was amazing, and my wife looked fantastic and amazing, and everybody had a good time, and people, you know, there's people there that you know forever you see all the time, and there's other people you ain't seen since you were a kid. Right. And after about a half hour, all the awkwardness is gone, and everybody's just like, yo. And yeah, then, the system, right? yeah, and you know, the, you know, some people go into the parking lot for the same thing they did back in them days. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, everybody's having a good time, yo. I mean, yo, the DJ played, I'm going to say like this, DJ Edge, who does uh, regular sets at Telus, he was the DJ for the for the reunion. He played music that we would have heard at parties when we were that age. Not like, let me play what was hot in the 90s. It was like, let me play what DJs played in the 90s. So all them songs that we spent our entire teenage years rocking to, like he was playing that shit last night. And, you know, it was like, yo, I feel like it's 1995 through 99. You know what I mean? Yeah. Christmas party, but, exactly, uh, yo, it, yeah, yeah. It was like it was Hurt like, gave like him a playlist. It was like Hurt gave him a playlist. So I'm like, yo, my man knows what he's doing. You know, it was, it was. I mean, once he started playing, yo, it was like three hours nonstop. Everybody just on the, on the floor. floor rocking. Yeah, that's how JP used to do. I mean, it's always mm-hmm. funny to see like forty-ish year old white women <laughs> dancing to like let me clear my throat, and they're like doing the moves and they know all the words, and I'm just like. Yeah. Like the Asian kids that look like they're still 18. You know what I mean? Our up there doing all the dances. Is I mean, you know how it is. Our, like, our marching band used to play that stuff. So yo, don't we get talking, it twisted. Yo, Trevor, was, Trevor Williams was talking about like how McCaskey's marching band was playing songs about drug dealing at football games and crushing people when we played grinding. Our band used to play. Yeah. I got five on the grinding. All that was played at <laughs> our school. Now, and you see like Asian, black, Spanish, white people. And it's like everybody got love for each other, and I'm saying like that ain't it ain't like that nowhere else in the world. Yeah. And like you know, we come from Lancaster City, and we went to this school, mm-hmm. and then we go out into the real world, and we had this this years of experience where class, gender, race, and culture all mixed together, and it wasn't just like oh, there's some black, white, and Spanish. Like even the the Latino or Latinas were from all these different countries. Mm-hmm. The Asian kids were from all these yeah, different JP countries. JP was a mountain yeah. pot. I mean, yeah. always, always, right? Yeah. Always. When we had AFS, there was kids from those countries yeah. repping. You know, it wasn't right. like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like, yeah. no, we just, you look like you might be that, you know. <laughs> so, and, you know, it's always good for any time you can experience something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I mean, I'm old head, so, you know. You're <laughs> old friends, you know. Now, shout out to Class of 98, yo. That was, that's dope. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else do anything spectacular? You make any babies this week? Uh, oh, right. wait a minute. Oh. Kids, bro. I want more kids. I want them done. He was uh, turning down modeling contracts. <laughs> <laughs> they said he was too old, though. That's, that's what happened. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Um, oh, yeah, before I start, too, I have a friend who didn't want me to uh, bring their name up, so I won't. Uh, she was diagnosed with liver failure uh, this week. I, I want to shout her out. Um, somebody I was really tight with. Um, she's going to be okay because I know she's going to be okay. She definitely wanted me to shout out that uh, <clears throat> she wanted me to to Bring awareness emphasize to the point of watch what you're drinking and watch the intake of how much you're drinking. Oh, uh, <laughs> Don't be like me. <laughs> 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 nah, yo, shout out to my girl. Um, sh- shout out to my girl. Um, you're gonna be okay. You, you're you know in our prayers. With you. You're definitely in our prayers. Um, and if anybody listening, yeah, I mean, at this point, you probably know that if you have a drinking problem, not get some help for your yeah, own sake definitely. and your loved ones. But if you want to drink in moderation, go ahead and do it. Um, she just wanted me to emphasize: don't overdo it. Um, and she got to a point where she was probably overdoing it. And uh, she learned from it. And she, she's going to be all right. She, she'll get it together. And we got her back. All right? Shout out to you. Now, let's get into it. <laughs> First and foremost, I want to ask, how did you know, how did you find out that you were, that you had cancer? Uh, let's start with Tawanda. Um, so I actually found the lump myself. And just like a lot of moms, I was busy. I didn't, I knew something was going on. I didn't want to deal with it. So I actually waited a couple weeks before I said something. Um, And then I called my doctor because it just got to the place where I was, I I knew something needed to be checked. Um, Went to the doctors. She, my doctor found the lump, sent me to get um, 
a mammogram and everybody says, did you get a mammogram already? I'm like, no, they tell you to wait till you're 40 before you get your first mammogram. I got diagnosed with breast cancer at 39. Mm. So if I would have waited that whole year, I would have been in a completely different situation probably. But I caught mine early. I was only a stage two. Um, But through the grace of God, I was able to find it, get treated right away. So I officially got the call that it was breast cancer on October 2nd, 2017. Wow. So not even a year ago. No. And and you're in remission now. I am. And I I still have treatment every three weeks um, until December. um, Because when I first got diagnosed, they told me I was HER2 negative, which is the aggressiveness of the cancer. So they said it was a lesser form, aggressive form of cancer. But once I I elected to get a mastectomy and not a lumpectomy, after they discovered that I actually had three tumors on top of each other. So it wasn't one big tumor. It was actually layered tumors. Um, So I made the decision to get a a mastectomy. And when I did, that's when they told me I was HER2 positive, which means that you have six months of follow-up treatment after you're done with chemo. Okay, so um, to paraphrase, uh, you you had the option of a lumpectomy or, or a mastectomy, yes. and the lumpectomy would be removing the tumor, and the mastectomy is actually removing the breast. Yes. And you opted for a mastectomy. Yes. And that's like during the the procedures when they found out that you actually had multiple tumors. So once you once you have the mastectomy and they remove it, they actually test send it to a lab so it's in a lab for a week and that's where they run like um the genetics of that tumor of which what kind of cancer you have that's how they are able to find out what if it's her to positive negative if it's estrogen based or not and so it was after that week of the testing that they did that my oncologist called me and told me that it was her to positive so the immediate um, course of action for me was chemotherapy, strong chemotherapy. Um, I did have to get lymph nodes removed as well. Thank God I didn't have any cancer in my lymph nodes, so I didn't have to worry about that or get radiation. So for me, I just had to do the chemo and then the six months of follow-up. So I'll be done with treatment on December 20th. This is going to be my last treatment. Really? Okay. Yes. Well. I mean, that sounds like a positive stage, right? I mean, yes. you're, you, and you're feeling better? I am feeling a lot better. I am. I, every day, it, it's a struggle, but I, I get up and I do what I need to do to take care of my kids. Well, you're looking good. Yeah. Thank you. you do. Thank you. You, you, do look, you look great. You <laughs> Thank look great. you. And uh, I mean, I feel like your smile is genuine smile. Obviously, yeah. happy that you're you're doing better. Yeah, and I am. I I'm I'm getting there. You know, because it, it's a big adjustment on your life, your whole life. It's changed. Yeah, and I mean, a phone call. October last year, it's like, man, that's just well, like really yesterday, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And I lost my hair. I lost hair everywhere. You lose hair, you lose your appetite, you lose your taste buds. Like everything just goes. And you, it's like you're not even prepared for it. I say, like, what I used to say is it's like ready, set, and push. You don't, you don't have to go because it's like ready, set. This is what needs to happen. This is the course of action. This is what we're going to do. And you don't have a choice in it. Well, I mean, if you, you're fighting for your life. Right. So, you know, you're leaving it to the people that know that job. And I was blessed because all of my oncologists, my surgical oncologists, were all the directors or the top people in that particular field. Um, at Mercy Medical Center. So for me, that was a blessing within itself. And my um, my medical oncologist, he does a lot of research on breast cancer. So for me to have been blessed to have him as my doctor, like that these was... these are the people you wanted. These the people are the people. Like, this is my thing. Yes. Even when I'm not doing this, I'm doing this. Yes. Yes. Yep. So Renata, what about you? Where, um, how'd you find out? Um... Like to wonder, I found my lump as well. So I like to tell people first and foremost. I like to tell people tomorrow is October first. There's a big campaign that feel it on the first is what it's called. 
So any women out there, do yourself breast exams on the first of the month every month. It's just easy to every remember. Month. Yeah, it's just easy to remember. And like I said, um, that, you know, I found my lump. So had I not, then I might not be sitting here right now at this point. So, um, yeah, I found my lump as well. And I went in for um, a mammogram as well. And I kept seeing, like, everybody's appointments were, like, fast. Like, everybody was just leaving. And then all of a sudden, like, mine was taking long. And I'm like, what is going on? And then they're like, well, your results came back up normal. So we're going to need for you to go and um, have an ultrasound done, too. And then they told me that that looked abnormal as well. So then they were like, well, we need you to get a biopsy, like, yesterday. And a biopsy is like, that's like a tissue sample. It, exactly. Like, they actually removed yeah. a small portion of my tumor yes exactly yep and um it took about three days for the results to come back and that is the longest three days of your life like you literally are in the balance waiting to hear if you have cancer or not and in the meantime you still got to do all the things that you got to be a mom you got to work you got to do everything yeah like nothing's wrong exactly and um so that it was november 1st of 2016 and my doctor called me in and she said renata this is the hardest part of my job. I was 36 years old. I had just turned 36, a month and a half before that. And she said, I'm sorry to tell you, you have cancer. And I literally heard nothing she said after that. When she said those words, you have cancer, she, you know, started to tell me about what their next steps are and things. And I, and I just froze. So, of course, I leave the office and I'm crying and I... I'm a spiritual person, so I left the office, and right in my car, I sat there, and I said a prayer, and I said, God, I just need today, and I said, I'll be ready to fight tomorrow. Just give me the, just give me today, and um, I've told people this before. I'm not, I don't sleep well at night. Like, I'm just not a, a person that sleeps well, so um, I went home, and I don't know if it was because I cried too much that day or if it was because of the mercy of God. I don't know what it was, but I slept for like six hours straight and I heard nothing. My TV was on. My phone was going bananas. I didn't hear anything. And when I um, finally woke up, I prayed again and I said, God, I said, if you if you, you see fit for me to die now, I'll take that. I've lived pretty good of a life. I'll take that. I've got to see my beautiful children. That's fine. But please, my daughter is only nine and my son is 11. Can I please stay alive for them? And... Um, I went through, after that, I went through, I had um, a, sur- a surgery to get my tumor removed, and I also had 11 lymph nodes removed. Um, my cancer had actually spread to one of my lymph nodes, so it was metastatic. I was, um, unlike um, Tawanda, I was um, triple negative cancer, so they don't know much about that one as well. It's, an, it's also an aggressive form of cancer, but it's all the indicators are negative. So they, as much research as they've tried to do, it's, it's not one that they know a lot about. So my doctor told me, I'm going to blast you with chemo after this surgery. Um, as, so, as like, a, like a, a precaution. Yes, exactly. Like, hey, we, we need to do everything we know we can do. Exactly. That's what she said. And she said, before this, I was healthy. Otherwise, I've never even had high blood pressure, nothing. I've never had any issues, health issues. So she said, because you're a healthy person, we're going to blast you and we're going to give you double doses of chemo. And I'm like, okay, do what you got to do to keep me alive. Do what you got to do. And um, so I did eight rounds of chemo, and then I did um, um, five weeks of radiation therapy. And radiation's tough because it's daily. And you get sick. And you get you real get, like, sick. Physically ill from that, right? Yeah. Well, you get physically ill from the from the chemo. I mean, like Tawana was saying. I mean, you, I had you get some people get mouth sores. I had the sores in my throat, so I don't know if anybody's ever had like an ulcer in their mouth. Mm-hmm. But I had those. Mm-hmm. My throat was lined with them, so you you get sick from that. You get not. Na- it's like being pregnant times ten when it comes to the nausea. It's I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, so you do get sick from that, but you also get sick from the radiation as well. Um, I actually sustained second degree burns cause it's literally like the sun being right. two feet right. next I mean, to you. Say radiation, yeah. I mean, they're literally poisoning you. They are. To try exactly. and kill the cancer mm-hmm. and saying like, we're, we're harming you mm-hmm. to help, to help you. you. Exactly. Which is crazy. Exactly. But that's how, that's how horrible cancer is mm-hmm. yes. it that's is our treatment it is it, it, it is really sad so um like tawana said i lost my hair it's now coming back but i you know i was bald you know well, just like thank you now. thank you it's straight now i used to have curly hair so it came back a little different but listen i'm blessed so what's crazy yeah. is well you two i've, I've known 
before, and this seems like their smiles are brighter now. Like they they, <laughs> they see more. Like they're glowing. Like they. Right. But you you could tell like they've been through something, and they seem like wiser and and more radiant. Like so. Well, thank you. You know, shout yeah. out to y'all. Annie, was your story similar when you found out? Is that well, you your your story is unique, very unique. Yes, um, just like she was saying how she felt that it was like being pregnant with morning sickness mm -hmm. ten times. Just imagine being pregnant and going through chemo. So, um, with my yeah, so so what happened was um, I was complaining from like I was twenty eight years old. And I kept on telling the doctor that I felt something. You know, you, women usually just like men, we have a part of a body that is bigger than the other. Mine was my breast, especially the left side. So I kept on going to the one clinic, and the lady goes, no, it's hormonal. The first time she said, you know, if you go in, we're going to take a needle. We're going to pull this liquid out. So I got freaked out. I got scared. So I went to GMC, I think it was, and I put this little pill kind of to, like, you know, let's take something natural and stay away from, you know, the medicine. Like a flush you out type yeah, thing. Yeah, the lady says something caramel, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy that thing. So um, I already had Shayna and Danelle. Shayna was going to be, like, 14, 13, going to 14, and Danelle was going to be 10. So um told my husband it was December of 2007, and I said, look, if we're going to have one more, that's it. It's going to be now or never. Are you sure? We're going to have it? That's it. So I went to the doctor. I said, can you remove this IUD thing? That's it. So by February the 6th, I knew I was pregnant already. So my husband and I, we used to sleep like spooning all the time. And he was like, eh. I was like, don't touch me. I have a headache. I'm like, oh, you women always have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> because, it, because it hurts? Yeah. It was it, like we you, used to sleep. You could feel pain. Yeah, but. I was complaining since I was 28, and the doctor kept on saying that it was hormonal, that it was fine, because I was going from my 20s to my 30s, so I was 31. So when uh, we were, um, you know, pregnant already, I um, I went to the clinic for my first visit, and the lady said, no, you're fine, you know, it's hormonal, because you're 31, you know, your body have all these changes. There's something, I didn't want to think it was cancer, really, so... I'm like, okay, she knows better. She's the doctor. Okay. So um, then my sister-in-law was having a baby, and my, you know, we were there, and I was talking to a doctor. He goes, oh, well, um, maybe I'll have one of the doctors see you here. And I went back, and my nipple from this breast was kind of, like, going in a little bit. So I caught the shell of a turtle, kind of. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. And it was kind of red. And I'm like, Carlos, I have this pain. I'm like, why don't you touch me? He goes like, no. That's the thing with guys. Guys, if your wife tells you touch her, you better touch her. Listen, <laughs> if, <laughs> if my wife tells me touch you, I'm touching you, girl. <laughs> 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 believe that. <laughs> believe that. Yeah. So I'm like, can you, can you touch me? And my husband is like, oh, no, no. I'm like, I feel something. And I don't know if it's me being paranoid. I'm feeling something here. And I always heard cancer is hard and edgy. So I was like, okay. So I went back to the doctor. So I was at the Reading Hospital, of course, and the one, every time you go, they give you a different doctor. So I was so mad about that. And the one time I went, there was a lady, she was pregnant, so I said, please, I'm not asking you, I'm begging you, can I get an ultrasound of my breast, right? And she goes, okay, so we're going to set it up for the same day, we're going to tell you whether you're having a boy or a girl. So I went in, and um, I went in with Shane and Danelle. And the lady goes, oh, okay, so you, you came by yourself and the kids? I'm like, yeah. Then she started to check, and she goes, oh, can they wait outside? I'm like, no. Why? Oh. I'm like, do you find something abnormal? And she goes, let me get someone. So she didn't want to tell me. You know, they're not allowed. So um, I said, look, I've been complaining for too many years, and everything is in black and white on that record. I need to know what's going on. And then the doctor came in, and he goes, are you by yourself? And I'm like, oh, I'm by my kids. And she said, um, what the guy said, we're going to have to find you, you're going to have to find an oncologist. And an oncologist, and I said, what do you eat that with? Like, an oncologist, like, I, I never, you never pay mind to things until you really have to face mm -hmm. them, right? right. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a friend at the hospital, and she goes, Annie, I didn't give you this name. So I found a doctor, at that time, Dr. Greenberg, and um, it was that Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, everyone goes away mm -hmm. to make matter worse because I wanted to get it done, like, today. And then... Oh, we don't have an appointment. So they gave me an appointment like for a week later, and I went in. And he did the consult. All they do is talk. So 
So he goes, um, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get you in probably in a, probably a week or two. And we're like, to the lady, please, can you find something? I really don't want to wait that long. I'm going Because at this point, you still don't know anything. Know. You just, you know what you've been complaining about is actually something. And then they, but you don't know what it is. And you have a baby in you. You're yeah. carrying a baby. So, you know, now I have the anxiety of you telling me you found something abnormal. I don't know what the abnormal was, you know, but there was something not normal. And I never really wanted to think it was cancer, really, to tell you the truth. So, when they finally, and when I was talking to the lady, she goes, Oh my God, someone just has one appointment for tomorrow. Do you want to go to campus? I'm like, Oh yeah, my God, please. So, I went in, they did the biopsy, they opened me. I was, I was kind of scared because I'm really like, needles for me was like, I had two kids never got up a doro or anything you know i was so scared i was like okay so i waited just like she was saying a day or two feels like a year mm-hmm. feels like a year so when i went in um the doctor i was sitting i remember i had black long hair and i was playing with my hair my belly i looked beautiful past my morning sickness i think that was the most beautiful pregnancy I had out of my trees. I didn't feel so sick. I was feeling like, oh, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm making love. Yeah. <laughs> no more morning sickness. And so my husband was sitting there and there was a poster there. And it was like a lady, like a breast, like with pus and stuff coming out. My husband is the type that he would never tell me anything negative. He knows he can know that I could be dying, but he was like, never, nothing negative. And then he goes, Annie. Her breast looked kind of like that picture. No. And it was like the first thing that I could tell you and the last thing I ever heard my husband saying, like, really being honest. And I looked at him. He looked at me, and I was like, I was like, okay. So the doctor comes in, and I see a nurse there with her little box of tissue thing. And he goes, oh, well. And I was like, yes. Your test came back positive. I was like, yeah. I mean, positive for me was positive. Right. Yeah, positive for me was negative. <laughs> he goes, you have cancer. Just like that. Heating, yeah, heating, make it sound nice. No sugar coating. Nothing. And all I remember was like having my belly go up in a ball. And I was like, oh my God, my tears were coming out. My husband was there. It's like she was saying, she felt, she, she didn't hear a word after that. All I thought was like, my kids, and I die. I'm pregnant. It's going to happen. My kids, and I'm always have been probably kind of like the mama bear kind of because I didn't, you know, to come here, my mom had to sacrifice herself working very hard. I had to go for my aunt, for my brother, and 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 then I didn't want my kids to have that. I wanted my kids to grow up with mom and dad, you know. Right, that were there and happy and healthy, like we all want. I gave up. I got, you know, like I got married really, really, really young, and I, you know, I never partied, never did anything. It was my family. It's, you know, the most important thing after God, my family, is everything for me. So, I was like, God. So, I remember, like, now we were going home and, and and you know, all the family came over. And, and I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So, they were saying that if I, um, that if I was going to get an appointment to see if I was going to get um, treatment. So, they had a big console for the, um the writing hospital they had like 25 oncologists radiologists everything i was pregnant it's not just like you go in you're a normal person so they were treating this well i would imagine with a lot of extra care care but then again i didn't have much choice because this was the thing my husband was like chemo pregnant no are you crazy and then the doctor said oh well that's your choice but if she don't go through chemo while she's pregnant I'm not going to be able to guarantee her life or the baby's life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it could be that if the cancer keeps on spreading, we're going to have to have her in an induced coma, and we're not going to be able to guarantee the baby's life. So it was, you know, so my husband, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he said, well, okay, so we're going to do this. Yeah, I remember like now, and, and um, we left from there, and I'm telling him, it's like, there's not a way, there's no wording of why you're feeling. And all I thought was, like, my God. Unlike her, that she said that she was able to sleep six hours. After I heard that and went home, I ended up having to get done two road canals. It was like, when it wasn't rain, raining, it was pouring. And I was like, oh, my God. I was so scared to close my eyes and go to sleep because I thought I was going to die while I was sleeping. That was my, you know, that was my scare. I was like, oh, my God. And I, I felt everything come together so... Um, we went to the hospital and then they said that I needed to get 
the, the power port, which I still have here. And so I went in and they said, okay, this is the deal. You're pregnant. We have to wait for the first trimester to pass. So I went in my first um, fourth month. We cannot give you an anesthetic to put this in. Because mm -hmm. if we give you an anesthesia, it's going to be too much for the baby. You right. stay. And, you know, the cancer is spreading more because you're pregnant and your hormones are going crazy. So I remember like now they strapped my legs. They put a pillow between my legs. And they strapped my hands. And they, they opened me from my port. I was in a lot of pain. And then I had to go get a scan. They said, well, you know, usually people when they're pregnant, you cannot give them the, the blue dye and stuff like right. that. Because mm -hmm. it's harmful for the baby. We need to do an MRI. You're not supposed to go on that machine. Well, guess what? I had to get it all done. They, they, they tried to go around it. There was no way for them to get around it. They had to get it because when you go to take the scan, they have to put that dye so everything kind of lights up where the cancer is at. Mm -hmm. So right. there was no choice. So I mm -hmm. went in and I had it. So they gave me my first chemo and i remember like now when they went in i had no anesthetic and that hurt it like when that needle is like a you know that fishing hook kind of thing so it was horrible i used to get it thursday then friday i used to go back for my lunasta saturday i couldn't swallow and sunday when i used to go to church at i couldn't get on my knees i used to cry and cry when i was at church i was very weak early walk so it went on for a few months and then um they said look we, we don't know how long you're going to be able to hold a baby for it could be four or five months six months we don't know the entire time they're not sure that you could carry the baby to full term because the chemo was very strong <coughs> so i used to go sit there like for five hours and what i used to do was I have I read a lot and my best friend she came from Florida she left everything behind and she came with five dogs I had a little dog to take care of me oh, see, man. see Annette, you know I, I can never say thank you enough because she put up with me and and believe me I'm a little bit hard to put up with yeah I have I have a temper I, and if I didn't touch it it's not done well you know mm -hmm. it's kind of my personality and the way I am so she came over and she was taking care of me and helping me with the kids and you know she left everything she used to live in florida she left everything behind to come and be with me so she to me is more than family to tell you the truth so, i mean that's a, a good samaritan for sure yes <laughs> and to put up with me even better so <laughs> we we went and and i went to the hospital back again they said look we saw something in your liver it might be fatty tissue we don't know so we're gonna have to go back and get a biopsy of your liver so they took like 10 pieces of my liver and that was painful, imagine, because I was this pregnant. Is, and you're still pregnant. Pregnant. You're going <laughs> the through baby, treatment for the breast cancer. The baby, every time they used to put the needle in, he would kick. Oh. So, so it was really hard because they were like with a camera trying to see him. But yeah, you know, baby's probably mm -hmm. get the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the thing is that the baby was feeling, I guess, you know, the pain. Mm -hmm. And every time I was like, you know, he was feeling everything I felt. And uh, I was trying to like, I'm going to die. Let me not be too sad because everything I feel the baby feels, that's mm -hmm. everything I thought of. So was waiting and waiting and I'm telling you I have one of those flip phones and next I remember that time I just put my phone here and everywhere because I was waiting for that phone call right sitting in the toilet I dropped it I'm like, Damn. so I had to run get me your phone so I went back to the dining room and I was sitting with my best friend there and we were talking and I heard that phone ring and I ran to, to, to the back here because can you hear me now kind of thing and I ran there and he goes okay Annie we got your results I was like, you've been calling a lot. We know you've been leaving like 100 messages. And I'm like, can I get my results, please? And my doctor, I got really, really close to him, Dr. Daniel Foreman. I love him. love him with all my heart. And he was like, okay, Annie, so um, test came back. We got results. I'm like, okay. So what is it? It's positive. So now I know what positive mm -hmm. was. <laughs> okay, so what this means now, Dr. Foreman, he goes, you got stage 4 cancer. In mm -hmm. your liver. Mm -hmm. And I go, what does that mean? Because you have terminal cancer. So stage four terminal cancer, pregnant. You know, I couldn't think of having having an abortion. I know that the cancer was spreading more because of being pregnant. So um, I'm like, okay, okay, we're doing this. Uh, it's okay. And my best friend was like, Annie, you're gonna be fine. He, she, my name is Annie. She goes, Anacleta. Such a pain on the butt. She calls me Anacleta. So I'm like, okay. She goes, Annie, don't worry. You're gonna be fine. So every time I went in for my chemo, I used to drink a lot of water. 
I got to the point I couldn't eat. Um, Monday, I remember, like, now I got on my knees. I'm like, God, please embarrass them. I don't want money off of this because it was negligent. I could have has, you know, to the hospital. I don't want money. I just want the baby to be born for him to be, you know, proof that you exist and that, you know, that I'm, that I'm going to be okay. At least give me that time even if you take me right after it. So God gave me more than that because I had him. You know, and I went through getting sick. I was in the hospital like for two weeks, and then the priest used to come over our house, and and you know everyone knew what I was going through, and and he knew that I wanted to get married by church, and he's like, okay, honey, we're ready. I think we should marry you. To I was going in for surgery on September first, Labor Day, to have Aiden. So on the same day of my wedding anniversary, that it was August the 29th, we ended up getting married by church. So if you see that video, me walking down that aisle with like, like, you know, like my little do-rack, <coughs> it, it's like, you know, I don't know how I made it there. That was the longest hour of my life. This too. is your, you're pregnant with stage four cancer in your liver and your breast and you're like a renewing your vows type thing. Mm -hmm. And then I see, oh my, you know, my daughter, my son, Danelle walking there in the church and you see that video oh my god and then you know one of my good friends he recorded everything for us and um then i went in and i had aiden i remember like now september 1st i went in and they were trying to pull the amniotic to mm -hmm. see if the lungs were fully developed because i had to go practically like almost every day to get steroids so that his lungs were mature and mm -hmm. see but she went like twice and she goes well they're not ready yet and the third time she goes look we cannot wait anymore you're gonna get a c-section how early was he um he i was about almost eight months okay almost, almost eight months which so was, they, they was really a, tried to go as yeah. late as they could yeah mm -hmm. because they were surprised that he didn't come out earlier so they were trying to hold him as much you know and that was those prayers i imagine i imagine too because believe mm -hmm. me they work miracles mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. i was like okay so you know, I went in, they said, we're ready. They took me in, Aiden came out. Like I was saying before, both of my kids, the first one, they had like, like your hair, like dirty blonde hair, no hair, very thin. Then Aiden came out, really dark hair, a lot of hair. I had to look at him twice and say, oh my God. So I looked up, he looks just like my husband. I was like, oh my God. So he came out and he cried like really loud, like mom, I'm here. But then his chest was going like a pump because his lungs weren't fully developed. They took him away. So I got really sick. I was throwing, like, like kind of like throwing up because the bad part was that my stomach was open and I kept on pushing. Like, I was going to throw up, so. You're really stressing the, the incision. Yeah, so point. so I remember, like, now that I got all these towels to put it here, so they didn't want the incision to open back again. So I was there in the hospital. I was not supposed to go back to that hospital to see him after they sent me home. I was there, like, four weeks. And I would go every day. I would drive even if I couldn't drive. So they gave me two weeks off. I had him on the first. And the 15th, I went back for um, my oncologist said, Annie, we're going to give you a Bastin. And he said, that medicine is really, like, strong. And we don't know what's going to happen because if you're a C-session, incisioning closed, you could have an internal bleeding. And that is dangerous because you could die. So... You know, thanks to God, I would say that I did everything in my power to, you know, stay healthy and I moved too much. So I went back, took my first chemo on the 15th. Sometimes they would send me home because my blood count was really low. I would cry because I knew that was bad. It got to a point that they told my husband, look, this is where we're at now. Um, Annie, if she goes out and someone, you know, like they're sneezing or whatever, goes to the supermarket she could die mm -hmm. she needs to get a chat every single day mm -hmm. so i was like i can't be coming to the hospital every day i'm tired i had a, right. new, I had a newborn baby at home so i was like i told my husband can you please do this for me can you give me the shot every day and he was like but like please so he's like okay so i tell him I, I told him tell him you know how to do it and i'm like yeah so he used to give me a shot on the right side one day and on the left the other so after that, I got really sick around December. I went in for a surgery back on January the 8th. They, they removed like 14 of my lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. um, they did the lumpectomy because the problem with me, like she wanted to get them removed. I wanted to get them removed because I always have been big. Some women call it blessed. I call it a curse. <laughs> 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 um, so they removed like 
tool part of it and um, I didn't get no reconstruction it's okay it's normal and um, the reason why was because I had Dr. Michael Brown at that time he said look Annie there's no need for me to get them removed because your cancer metastasized too much and after I had the baby went to my lungs too so he goes there's no need for you to get them removed if, if this cancer is going to keep on spreading it's going to keep on spreading with if you remove them or not you have mm -hmm. metastasized too much you have stage 4 cancer mm -hmm. so let's just get the lump out so they did the chemo first they did their surgery and then they did radiation from like February till April so ever since that happened um, you know I did whatever I could do like holistic I changed you know the way I ate like I was told like I said I went to menopause at 32 the day I had ate in because the cancer fed on estrogen so I cannot have anything that had estrogen, soy sauce, anything, anything, you know. So that changed my life as a woman. And it's what I was telling her. A lot of people, they're like very like, but that's a change. Mm -hmm. a, very early. Too. Yeah. I mean, and, and 32 I, is young. And not only that being early, it's the consequences <coughs> that comes with that. When a woman don't make estrogen, it's hard. Everything changes. You start to get low energy. Low energy. You're dry. It's, it's, it's a life changing. You're married. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we you know. Work, we got to work through that. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to fight you. Yo, listen, hold on. Wait, wait. <laughs> hey, man, listen. Let me ask this. Um, How did your families react? Like, what, what was what was the reaction of, of your families and, and how they how they get through it with you? Um, well, for me, once I... Once I um, found out that I had to get a biopsy, I sat my three kids down, who was 17 and 12 at the time. My twins are t was 12. And I just sat them down in the living room, and I told them, like, you know, this is the situation. I found the lump. I told them about everything. I have to go get a biopsy. So once the results come back, in either case, you know, whether it is cancer or not, we're going to just work this out as a family the good thing too is I had my best friend um, there by my side so he was there also so we just we just did what we needed to do and then when it when I got the the actual diagnosis I actually called him first and told him and then that evening when I got home I sat my kids down and I talked to them and we cried together, we prayed together. I asked them if they had questions, you know. Of course, my oldest daughter wanted to know, you know, could she go to the doctors with me? Um, and since then, they've, they've been by my side. I know the one thing that I really tried to do after I wrapped my head around my diagnosis was I sent a Facebook message to all of the females in my family both my mom and my dad's side because i have my family roots are from the south where you don't really talk about your medical issues right. you know mm -hmm. mississippi they don't really trust doctors to begin with that's where um, my parents are from and so it's like you know so i sent them out a message and i was just like please start checking yourself i just want you guys to know that i just was diagnosed with breast cancer so that if you're filling out any forms at the doctors if you get family history of cancer yes you know i just was diagnosed um, but through that correspondence, I actually got a message from my cousin who actually passed away last year. Um, she told me that my aunt on my dad's, my dad's sister had breast cancer, which I never knew. I'm marking no on all my medical forms mm -hmm. because I didn't know. No one ever talked about it. And then I found out that my mom's sister had breast cancer, not once, but twice. So I actually had two aunts on both sides of the family diagnosed with breast cancer and never knew because no one ever talked about it never said anything about it um, so that's my biggest thing was I just felt compelled to make sure that I say something to my cousins because I wasn't over 40 when I got diagnosed I was under 40 and so it's important for you to know and to check your body and because of this um, my daughters will actually have to start getting tested when they're in their 20s and not in their 30s. So I feel like, you know, the family support is humongous. Um, I, I have tons of family support. 
um, by my side. My family has been, my niece is a beautician. She's actually the person that came down and gave me my first haircut when I started losing my hair. And then my best friend, he shaved my hair off once it started coming out in clumps. <coughs> so, you know, they've been so supportive and been by my side since the very beginning. I gotta imagine that makes a, a, a you know, any hardship if you have family that can support you always makes it better I imagine yeah and I, it's got to be difficult to look at your children and tell them something that they aren't even emotionally equipped to deal with yet. exactly and you have to deal with it but then you have to worry about how they're dealing with it but you're the one who's going through it yes. mm -hmm. and it's like I can't even wrap my head around that so you got to be strong for now yeah well and you know and the thing is is like I because I work in the mental health field um, I I know you know, I'm very close with my kids, so I reached out to their school guidance counselors. So I called, you know, my 17-year-old's guidance counselor and let her know what was going Being on. proactive. Yes, and I called the twin school and I told their middle school guidance counselor what was going on because that way, you know, if something happened at school and it was a bad day for them, you know, it wasn't looked at as they were misbehaving. It's just maybe something is happening at home. This is what's happening at home. They're important. seeing right. me, you know, going for surgery, being completely different than the way that I left because you're dealing with so many emotions and all of this other stuff but as a mom my number one goal was to make sure that my kids were okay right. and that's that was my you know that was what kept me fighting i mean one of the one of the most memorable moments that i have is as my best friend was he was shaving my head in the kitchen and normally my girls always go to bed between 8:30 and 9 o'clock and it was a Saturday. My youngest daughter, she's the baby, she sat up that night. And as soon as he started cutting my hair, he shaved my hair off. He got halfway through it. I look up at the table and my daughter's just looking at me. And she has tears in her eyes. And I had tears in my eyes. And she walked into the kitchen and held my hand. And she bent down in front of me and she's like, Mom, you're still beautiful with or without hair and I love you and you're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what went through my body that my 12 year old is looking at me and encouraging me and I'm trying to stay strong for her and not trying to cry. And I learned in that moment, I, it's okay to cry in front of your kids. Your mm -hmm. kids need to see you be vulnerable and not be strong all the time. Embrace and that in emotion. that in that moment, I feel like I got closer with her because she could feel my pain and I felt her pain because she was worried about me. You know what I mean? And so I, I that's why I encourage you to talk to your kids you know don't don't think that they're too young to understand they may not know all of the medical terminology but this is the stuff that you need to have these conversations with your children so that they know what's going on because mommy is not going to be strong every single day and I'm telling you it just changed the dynamic even with my son you know he just makes sure that I'm okay he checks on me every day he gives me a hug my kids give me hugs every morning before they leave for school have a good day mom and I feel like this really did bring us closer together like you guys bonded even more even more and even with my 17 year old daughter I mean it's amazing how she just took on this motherly role of the twins when I wasn't feeling good and if I wasn't feeling good she'd come mom just lay down relax I, I can do it we'll do it we'll take care of it and so it you know the role sort of reversed in some ways because they've they felt when I had chemo and I couldn't get up that morning, that next morning, it was just like, Mom, it'll be okay. We'll take care of it. So, you know, it, it was that kind of stuff. So my, my kids are my strength. My kids sometimes are my breath. You know, and there's nothing in this world that I wouldn't do for my children because when I was at my, yes, because when I was at my lowest, them and my best friend, they were by my side. Wow. Renata, what was uh, 
what was the thing that made you keep going when when because i know when when you first heard it it was just like as anybody would it was sh- shut down mode mm-hmm. what made you say now nah, i'm gonna beat this like what what was the inspiration behind that um definitely my kids that was the number one inspiration right from the gate um similar to um Tawana's story my um my kids just happened to be with their father that day when I found out. But I had sat my kids down when I first was going to learn that I was going to get these results back. And I also talked to them, asked them if they had any questions. And I remember I woke up that morning and my daughter said, I look at my phone and my daughter sent me a text message. And she says, Mama, do you have BC cancer? And it was all these crying emojis. And I was like... Oh, my gosh. So I said, London. I called her and I said, London, don't worry. I said, I'll find out later on today and then I'll let you know. So, of course, I waited until they came back with me and I sat them down and had the conversation with them. But they were the the reason that I was trying to stay alive was with them, you know, was them from the gate. Like when I went to the first oncologist visit and I'm sitting there and she's like, Renata, she said, you must be one of the strongest people I know. She said, you're not shedding a tear. She said, you're not. I said, I got two kids to live for. You tell me what you need to do, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Point yeah, blank, period. Right. I'm doing it. Just let me know. I got my tears out. Yeah, yesterday. exactly. Yes, ready I'm yes. ready to go. I said, I'm ready to go. And from that day on, I literally didn't cry again until, of course, my hair felt, was starting to fall out. You know, I had long hair down to my, almost to my butt. And you know, it comes out in clumps. So as a woman, it's already hard, you know, and you are put go to put your hands through your hair and a big wad comes out. So I then made the decision to also shave my head as well. But um, I, I, it, was, it was something I had to do. I had to stay strong because I had to put that brave face on. But I had a moment similar to hers as far as um, I got burned very bad from radiation, like second-degree burns all the way down to the white meat, like they say. I mean, it was bad. And um, one night it was so painful. Burn. I wouldn't wish burns on anybody either. I mean, you know, we have to, like, really shout out anybody that's been burned before or anything because we don't know the pain that they feel. I've only had a little tiny glimpse of that, and it's it's not nothing to be played with. But I was crying because it hurt so bad, and my daughter just happened to be laying next to me that night in the bed, and she turned over and she said, Mama, is there anything I can do for you? And I was just like in tears and I said, can you just say a prayer for me? And she took my hands, um, 10 years old, she took my hands and she said a prayer for me. And I promise you the next day, them burns started to heal. So I was just like, you know, kids are so resilient. Like we don't give them enough credit. We do not give them enough credit. I mean, they're amazing. And my kids are no exception. You know, they're they're the same thing. I mean, they were amazing. So it's kind of like, I feel like they can, they, they're, you know, they're built for it tough now. Like, they can literally, they done seen their mom go through cancer. Well, let me backtrack. Four months before I was diagnosed, my brother passed away suddenly from a heart attack in the middle of the I'm night. Really so, sorry. thank you. So, um, of course, my mom's one of the strongest people I know because she not only lost a son, but then five months later, her daughter is diagnosed with cancer. So, I can't even imagine the strength right. she has. Um, but, you know, my kids, the same thing. It's just they just bounce right back. Like, Mommy, is there anything I can do for you? And even now, the same now, it, it, it does. It changes your family dynamic. It, you come to the point where you guys are just like. When all three like of that. you have talked about your personal stories, but the similarities, like you all mentioned your faith. Mm-hmm. You all mentioned the, the, the love for your children, which, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody here has children. We can all relate to that. Everyone listening has children. We can relate to that. And, mm-hmm. and we think we know what we would do or how we would deal with stuff, but at the end of the day, it's, like, impossible to know. Mm-hmm. But to hear you guys talk about your faith and your children. Mm-hmm. And, um, Ani, I wanted to ask you, like, your, your son, uh, you said his name's Aiden. Yeah. How is he doing now? Was he, like, 10 years old? or? Aiden is 10, and there's nothing wrong with Aiden. Aiden is just, like, a normal kid that runs around. Yeah, your little miracle child. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that what amazing. we call him. We call him Aiden, and the second name is Jabez, like, meaning, like, God. Like, I, you know, when I got on my knees, I said, God, if you let him live, he's going to be yours. And I'm, I named him after him, too, and, um... Aiden, 10 years old, has nothing to envy any other kid out there. And look at me, I'm 10 years, yeah. stage four. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you you look like uh, a million bucks. And, and um, 
I, I all of you are like you, you guys Billy was saying about your smiles like you guys really do have this like glow behind your eyes this um uh, you're telling your stories like we're all fighting back emotions, mm-hmm. like, especially when you're talking about your kids and like mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting here like oh, Jesus drinking. man I can't <laughs> <laughs> like, I know like, like this is mm-hmm. wild man and it's I'm just thinking stuff. about my wife and my kids and mm-hmm. I'm like fuck man it's, uh, it's heavy do some breast exams I'm yes the tomorrow every month yes. I'm like did you do your breast exam yet <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know like like uh it's wild man it's um, really wild uh, we have some uh, comments from from the audience. Erica Montavo says, uh, God bless you and your story is very empowering. And the fact that you're sitting there even telling your story, that's a blessing. You have had a great support system with your husband being there and education, acknowledge, and you overcame that you are a warrior and you are beautiful. Hashtag cancer sucks. Um, and, and then she follows up with, um, your story is so inspirational and thank goodness you have great kids. They were there for you. God bless you. Hashtag cancer sucks. Yeah. Nice. So, mm-hmm. okay. Cancer definitely sucks. Um, I want to end with this one question, and I would like all three of you to answer this. If there's one thing you could give advice as far as to someone who's going through what you've been through or their family, what would that one thing be? Tawanda, I'll start with you. Um, the one thing that I would say is don't give up. You're going to have some low moments. You're going to have some down moments. Um, understand that you're human, and we all have those moments. But keep fighting. Definitely keep fighting. Um, the advice for family, just be supportive. Just be there to, for a shoulder to cry on. Just come in and watch TV with that person. Sometimes the words aren't there because it, you just hurt so bad that you don't have the words to say, I need help or can you do something? Just your presence, um, you know, just just being supportive is the biggest thing. Renata? Um, my advice for somebody going through it is I would definitely say, um, I know we're taught, to not be selfish our whole life from little kids up. But that time when you're going through it, you be as selfish as you need to be. You come to people, let them help you. Tell them what you need and also take it day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, even second by second if you need to. Be selfish and do that and and just pace yourself and go through, you know, in the way that you need to do so. This is one thing for the family first, for before the patient. For the, for the family members and friends, just remember that when we're going through chemo, we are at a time that we like on a time bomb. And even being sick, if you want to go see a family member, just make sure you're not sick. We are like a little sponge that anything that comes to us, a sneeze, a cough, will kill us. It sounds bad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes family members get kind of offended because they think that you're just pushing them back but they don't understand how bad it could get so that's one of the you know most important thing i used to tell people even the smell of a person it could turn your stomach you could be throwing up it gets really bad and then for the patient the only thing i could tell you is that when i was at my worst i always thought i couldn't sleep at night and when the night it was at its worst, that it was really, really dark, it was because the sun was about to come out. So always have that faith and think that if someone else did it, you could do it too. Um, I know that we have, like she said, our little moments that we get depressed. I went through a really bad depression. It was a time that I couldn't even hear my baby cry because I thought I was going to hurt him. I used to tell my husband to take him out because, you know, I didn't know what to do, but... You know, if you have your faith and, and you stay strong, stay positive mind, you'll be fine. And one thing I could tell you, I've been through hell. It has been like a nightmare. But if I could change one thing after all these 10 years, going through everything I've been going through, and it's still going through, I wouldn't change a thing. I think this made me the woman that I'm today. I'm strong. Now I always say, when I step my foot down, you could feel the earth shake. So, you know, things happen. You just need to give the best out of you because 
when you look to your right and you look to your left, you think you have it bad, but there's some people that they're doing worse than what we are now. We have uh, another comment. Um, Jamar Johnson says, uh, thank you ladies for taking the time yeah. to let your stories be heard. Yes, Continue to spread your story to everyone because I believe it will bless someone's life because hearing it bless mine. Oh, thank wow. you. That was, awesome. that was nice. Thank you. Definitely. Um, this has been probably one of our more emotional shows. Yeah, definitely. Is. We uh we get serious from time to time, and we do a lot of clowning on say My eyes are broken. Something happened. I'm not comfortable with. I'm gonna sit in the parking lot for a couple minutes before I actually. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's funny, but like I'm. I'm distraught, yo, from hearing mm -hmm. that because I'm like, God mm -hmm. damn, man, cancer does suck. And like the one thing, I mean, you guys have said so much and like I, normally what I'll do is like tomorrow I'll be driving and I'll like replay this and I'll listen to it. And I don't know, I think it's going to take me a couple of days to listen to this again, but I would say like, like it doesn't matter what age you are, you should be checking yourself. Mm -hmm. right. And if you have any 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 suspicions you should also advocate yourself for yourself to your doctors yes like be a pain in their ass <laughs> yes yeah. until they clear saying, you right right and that's what i'm saying it's like all of you were far younger mm -hmm. than the normal, what they the say normal. you should be worried yes. about yeah. right and you caught it yourselves mm -hmm. yes. and you went I mean, you went through insanity. Oh, yes. So, I mean, definitely, I would say, like, like seriously, like, your one takeaway of anything should absolutely be check yourself and advocate for yourself. Yes. Because you're your number one advocator. Right. Right. Your number one advocator. And one thing that is really, really important, and I always say this every time I talk to, to, to girls, even men, because uh, don't t believe me, breast cancer is not only for oh, girls, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. for yep. guys. Yep. That's true. But the one thing I always say, just because you walk into an office, to a medical office, and you see that degree there, and you see them wearing that white gown, that don't mean that they, it, it does not mean that they know everything. If you have that instinct in your mm -hmm. heart, some tells you that something is wrong, even if they tell you, oh, no, it's fine, get a second opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Go somewhere else. Definitely. Even if you have to go two or three times, do it, because mm -hmm. you know your body better than anybody. You don't need yes. a degree for that. For that, you have life. So you need to follow your heart. And if you feel there's something wrong, keep on asking. Because if you don't, it might be too late. Well, now that they got me on my emotional shit, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a man, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Real man. Yeah, they were pink. Yo, um, that's the other thing. Before we get out of here, these breast cancer awareness shirts, they are limited edition, Regal Finesse. Uh, we we came up with the design. Um, uh, it really is something that we stand behind. <laughs> a portion of the proceeds, we were going to send to Susan G. Coleman, but Ani put me on to something else. So either way, a portion of the proceeds will be going to a cure. Um, they will be up on the site tomorrow, regalfinessestore.com. Again, that's regalfinessestore.com. Write it down. <laughs> I have an idea for you. You know what you guys should do here for him? Send him your story through Facebook, and let's see if he could pick the best story. There, there may be someone out there, your brother, your sister, your mom going through cancer. Send him your story, and he'll pick the story, and maybe you could help them like that. That's what I do. Well, that so is what, pick somebody that... that With the that proceeds help. from your shirts. Okay. And oh, then you'll help someone idea. from the community, from your community I, here. I was going to ask that, because like, I know you guys are going right. through uh, remission um, to keep on that, how will you support yourselves? Well, oh, it's, it's hard. Right. It's very hard. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good idea, right? Well, because mm -hmm. you could bless a family mm -hmm. with something that they need, right? Well, like yeah. everyone's going to struggle to make ends meet. We, I mean, we have friends who right. unfortunately mm -hmm. didn't survive, mm -hmm. but they went through financial hell in the mm -hmm. last it years. Is. Of it is. Lives. It's and a heavy it financial is. burden. Yeah. That's the other side of it. $61,000 a month. Yes. And what I just celebrated my tank. 10th year, I'll say, a stage four cancer survivor. And like I was telling him, I helped a kid from the community, um, 22-year-old. He had cancer on his leg. Kid wanted to kill himself. I went and visited him. I told him my story. And um, the money from the party we had on the 23rd of June, 
went to his family and believe me if you see the videos on facebook and the way yeah, he you, smiled you, you and video. i mean you know why because i did relate for life i did um you know with the american society which i respect all that stuff but i don't remember you know when i was going through this you know having that like you don't see them giving you the money. Go no. do research. Mm, it does. Okay, right. keep on doing You're right. research. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. But when but you meanwhile, you got, you got to feed your kids. You got to exactly. keep the lights on. Exactly. You got car payment. Exactly. exactly. So I helped You're burning the through your vacation days. Mm -hmm. You're burning through your savings. Everything. It's expensive. Even, mm -hmm. you know, so I helped the lady that had um, neck and throat cancer and, and like a few other people that had cancer. So, you know, even if you give them, let's say, $500, they could pay their rent. They right. get some mm -hmm. of the medicine. Right, right. Yep. It might not be the end of the world, but something is better right. than nothing. Anything right. helps. Yeah. Anything mm -hmm. helps. Anything helps. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll work out the business details off off air. <laughs> <laughs> but a portion of the proceeds will be going to this cause definitely. Right. Um, mm -hmm. we have them in black and we have them in white. Um, as you can see, the ladies look nice with them. These are for the men too. I'm sure I'll be wearing them throughout the month. It's for the whole month of October. Uh, yeah. So. They'll be at on the site again. That's regalfinessstore.com or hit up E, hit up Yaz, hit up anybody with TCP, hit up me. I'd rather you hit the site though. Um, but <laughs> we also got to shout that. out Sierra for doing the makeup for the ladies. Shout out Sierra for doing this. the makeup. Uh, we had we had Raquel who wanted to be here. Uh, she couldn't be here because of some medical situation, so she wasn't here. Uh, yeah, this is Sierra right here. Shout out to her. If you weren't ready, hit her up. Um, Raquel had a medical situation. She wanted she wanted to be here. She couldn't. So shout out to her. Shout out to my cousin Salita Day Smallwood and Paula Corp Paula Horton Copeland. Both my family members. Uh, they was both here for the shoot. They couldn't stay for the for the uh, podcast. They did get on video though. Well, one of them did. We got a promo video coming out for this whole thing too. But we uh. I definitely want to thank from all of us. I want to thank Tawanda. I want to thank Renata. I want to thank Ani. Uh, we loved hearing your story. We love y'all. Y'all are inspiring. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring. And if you ever need a platform, say less got you. And I'm sure anybody else on TCP will support you. Thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you for the chance. Yes. Renata, you family anyway. I you know. are TCP. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tune in to Shots of E&J, please. 6.30 p.m. Yep. <laughs> but this was the real episode 25. We got Keith on the boards. Yes, sir. I'm here. Chris is in the building. Yo. E is in the building. Know. The beautiful Sarah is at Hershey Park. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your host Blast This is Say Less Podcast Episode 25 Peace